On this week's episode, we hear from the people who were there January 6th. Huh? Taking the country back is not about violence. Yeah. It's about standing on the steps of the Capitol. Yeah. So this movement is not about violence. It's about peacefully coming here and letting them know that we're we're not happy with the solution. We're not happy with the fraud. We're not happy with people deciding that there's no fraud in this election. They're not hearing the people and they forgot who they work for. We're here to bring peace and evenness back to our American society. We're here. We want to take it back. All these patriots need to step up to this turning because guess what? They don't care about us in there. They proved to us. Look at the stimulus bill. They're giving us crumbs. It's our money and they're giving it away. Stand up for freedom. Stand up for no tyranny. Stand up for healing the divide. If we started uh, identifying ourselves as Americans will heal this divide. So what was it like walking up on these steps? What was that like for you when you walked up on the steps? Just the ability to take our house back, to let them know that we're here and we're not happy with it. And when we're strengthened numbers, we can do anything. There's no violence. We're not here to destroy this house. We're here to take it back. We love this country. We love every American, even the ones that are on the other side of the aisle. We love this country and we're doing this for them. Where you Fight for America. Fight for America. In Texas, baby. In Texas. Fight for America. Fight for America. No silence. Being at them steps was the most awesome feeling in my life. Stepping on those steps was what? What was it like stepping on the steps? Yes, I stormed the door. You stormed the door. You was there. You stormed the door like the best deal. I didn't make it in, but I was right by the door. You were right by the door. Yes. Right. Again in Georgia. Yes. Take our country back. Take our country back. We are sick of Pelosi, all them Democrats, Joey Biden stole the election. Take it back. No All right. Jason Russell is a contributing editor for the Washington Examiner. Jason, welcome back. Joe Arizademo is a former deputy national press secretary of the Democratic Party. And our very own HSS correspondent, Amisha Cross, is always in the house. Jason, we were there. We were inside the building. While it may have seemed chaotic, which it was, it was a mob scene. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I must tell you personally, for me being inside, I've never felt calmer. Uh, I never said a word. I understood the moment as somebody in media. I, I understood, I just, there was just so much that you just, just cannot even capture on camera. Um, now, after this footage, and uh, they're saying that President Trump incited a mob uh, in the siege on the Capitol. One thing I can tell you for certain, though, I don't think it's so much what President Trump said on the National Mall, which we also covered. I think his maligning his vice president, forcing him into a position where the Constitution did not give him power 
and the fact that he imitated to Americans that the vice president failed this country. What happened on the Capitol steps, I want everyone to know that it was peaceful, it was a protest, but somehow or another, um, there is this message that rang out over, over your phones and there was this notice saying that Vice President Biden has decided not to challenge the process and he will go forward certifying uh, Biden as the president of the United States. And when that came out and people heard that, the whole place went into a silence. And that is when the process changed and it's transformed. And that's when the siege began. And there's no such thing as a peaceful protest because at any moment's notice, anything can change it into a mob and something that can be very chaotic for everybody who's involved. But the point I bring up to you, Jason, because I know we've heard enough about the scene at the Capitol, are they miscalculating by now pushing to impeach President Trump? Uh, I think they are. I think the actions that he took afterwards, uh, if, and and before, honestly, too, uh, are, are grounds for impeachment. I think what happened was a disgrace. I think President Trump certainly bears uh, a significant responsibility for it. Um, you know, at, at some point, yes, the people who stormed the Capitol have personal responsibility, and uh, no one made them do that. But I still think that President Trump deserves responsibility for influencing them. Um, and, and so certainly there are better things that he could have done over the last eight weeks since Election Day. Uh, there are better things that he could have been doing instead of uh, you know lying about voter fraud and uh, listening to his enablers instead of uh, taking a reality check. So um, no, I, I think President Trump should be impeached. And I think if not, then this will be a stain. I don't think you can just say he's leaving in 14 days. What difference does it make? I think it needs to, we need to show history that uh, what happened was not acceptable and that there are consequences for that, even if it's even if you were going to leave office in 14 days anyway. Jose, the thing that we should never forget, and we spent the entire day from sunup to dusk at this rally, is what people were saying that no, neither side represents them anymore. They felt that Pence would portray them eventually during that day, McConnell. Um, there was a pipe bomb at the RNC. Um, yes, there's anger at Pelosi and Schumer and all those, but it's not just Democrats. Uh, could this be a tipping point if they were to impeach Trump that violence and civil war could erupt in this country? Are we willing to take that chance uh, instead of just being patient for another 10 or 12 days where Trump is out of there, are we willing to take this risk? Because of what Jason just said, that it's worth the risk. Because I don't think many Americans realize that we're involved in a tinderbox right now. Thank you, Armstrong, for, for having me on. And, and look, let me just begin by saying that I agree with, with Jason. Uh, even though we're 13 days before President-elect Joe Biden becomes the next president, we got to show history. We got to set the precedent. We got to show the symbolism that what President Trump did cannot be tolerated. That's number one. Um, number two is, you know, we ought to remember, I, I want to believe from the depth of my heart that America is better than, than this moment, that America, it's not going to fall to the hands of, of a civil eruption, a civil war, like, you, like you're mentioning. I don't think even if we go 
forth with this uh, impeachment, um, even though if we don't, even if though even though that impeachment doesn't transcend into a removal from office, um, I think I do think it's the right thing to do. I don't think if we do that, Armstrong, we're gonna go to a to a civil war. You know, I, and I, I gotta say this because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't stop myself to think when I saw people in Washington. Ask them, why are you here? Some of them would say, and you can go on, on YouTube and Google and see this for yourself. They said, we're here to start a revolution. We are here to invade the capital of the United States of America. So the hypocrisy for all these Republicans to try to paint Democrats like socialists, they're the ones that were looking like socialists. They're the ones that look like they were doing a self-coup. The one that looks like a, a communist. Today, it's Donald Trump. So I, I think, look, I think the Republicans, and you saw it during the certification of this election, Armstrong, they're trying to distance themselves, uh, you know, very, you know, very clear from this president because they understand if they continue to allow him to get away with this, he's going to destroy the Republican Party as it stands, as, as it, it truly represents a much more moderate party like Ronald Reagan once had. You know, uh... Amisha, as much as Pelosi and Schumer are pushing for impeachment, Biden has refused to comment on whether or not this should happen. This is Biden's moment. This has been a very, very tough challenge for him since he won the election, what he's had to endure. This is his moment. He has a few days before he can gather everything that is necessary to be sworn in. Do we need this to take away from his historic moment? Uh, this won't take away from Biden's historic moment. What I think is that the, the media narrative has been shifted a lot over the past few days, in large part because of what was an orchestrated coup on the American government and the peaceful transfer of power. And that was led by President Donald Trump through his tweets, through his rhetoric, through his campaigns, through his rallies, even up to the day before we heard the results of the, of the Georgia Senate race. He was down there still pumping these election fraud claims that have all been found wanting and false. So I think that we have to, we, we have to look at President President-elect Biden for what it is. He's someone who looks to unify this country, but he's also someone who understands that this isn't necessarily the fight he needs to get into right now. It is being led by Nancy Pelosi, who should be leading it. It is going to be led by um by the new Senate Majority Leader and Chuck Schumer. And it's going to be led by the American public who are watching this and are extremely frustrated and disturbed by the fact that we literally had a domestic terrorist attack on our nation's capital. This is disgusting. And I think that looking at the articles of impeachment, looking at um, amendments that allow for the removal of this president from office, which we know that Vice President Pence, who has already stated that that's not necessarily something that he's interested in or will do, that means that the trigger pull has to come from the impeachment process. President Trump has acted as though he is above the law this entire past four years, and he has weaponized social media, he has weaponized the dark web, and he has utilized a lot of conservative media to basically pump his lies. There isn't a single person who showed up at that at that would-be rally that turned into chaos and mayhem a couple days ago who did not think with everything in their heart and soul that this election had been stolen, that everything was rigged, that America was somehow not working because President Trump told them that everything was rigged and that the election was stolen. They didn't believe any of the factual basis that we've seen time and time again because this president told them not to, because he told them to show up on January 6th, because he told them to show up and cause chaos and mayhem. You know, let me just say that as much as Pelosi and Schumer wants to talk about impeachment, there's a reality they must face. The clock is running out on them. 
Um, it, in my opinion, it just won't happen. Not because they don't want it to, not because they don't have the support, just time will run out and, uh, and they'll move on to something else. But I, I wanna bring up something that's very interesting in this debate. Um, Jason, I was reading the tea leaves, how the liberal wing of the Democratic Party wants to oust Congressman Anthony Harris from Maryland and other legislators that supported Donald Trump. And then you, and listen, I was there with the violence at the Capitol. I, I mean, I saw it firsthand. I saw the destruction. I saw the flags knocking, the flagpoles knocking out windows. I saw them trying to beat police. I saw them take the fire extinguishers out, the, out of the Capitol and were spraying. I saw them trying to beat the law enforcement with the fire extinguishers. And yes, it was criminal behavior. But many Americans across this country are making this point. What about Portland, Seattle, Ferguson, other places where federal properties were destroyed, where businesses were destroyed, their way of life? And the Democratic Party gave it a tacit condemnation. They were not trying to pull camera footage to see who committed the damage so they could arrest them. My question, though, to you, is there a devastation? And if you want to heal a nation, shouldn't we strive for fairness on all sides, no matter who the culprit may be? Yeah, I think there is a double standard, but I also think that, you know, it's it's on Republicans to to try to be better than the left, and it's on the left to try to be better than the right um, at the same time. So, um, you know, just because there's been rioting this summer, uh, you know, during Black Lives Matter protests and, and riots doesn't mean that rioting to, uh, you know, about the defeat of Donald Trump is okay. Um, you know, they told us that uh, if, if Joe Biden was elected, then uh, there would be rioting in cities. And we saw that that was true by right-wingers, not left-wingers. Um, and, you know, I think the right lost a lot of credibility with, uh, you know, in, in the last eight weeks, because, um, you know, in 2016 and 2018, Republicans were making fun of Democrats who couldn't accept um, you know, various losses in the presidential race when Stacey Abrams lost in Georgia. Um, you know, Democrats couldn't accept that. Uh, and, and now we see the right doing the same thing. And they've totally lost the credibility to uh, criticize or mock people for, for not accepting election results because they have just taken it so far past the extreme that we had before. Uh, Jose, uh, is there any understanding beyond the protesters, where you see them as Trump supporters? Has anyone outside of their glass houses and their isolated barricades have ever taken the time to go out and see what people are really griping about? Because I tell you, in our conversations, it's bigger than COVID-19, it's bigger than the staggering job losses and the economy. These people are very fearful. They feel they don't care about them anymore. You saw it in the footage. Um, don't these Americans matter also, the 75 million Americans that voted for Donald Trump? They do, uh, Armstrong. And I think that's why uh, President-elect Joe Biden said it on, on election night, right, on his victory speech. He said he was going to be an American president. And I really, uh, we want to make sure Democrats uh, and Americans as a whole hold them accountable for that. We want to make sure that Joe Biden 
works with the Republicans to move this country forward. Uh, and I have the utmost optimistic optimism that that's going to get that's going to get done. So Americans do matter. The Americans that were marching or protesting on the Capitol, they do matter. But we cannot what we cannot do is, is tolerate violence. Number one and number two is what disappoints me is that the reasoning behind why they were there. Yes, some of the reasoning is what you were, uh, you know, speaking about that they felt, you know, that they're 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 invisible and they felt that they're not being heard. Um, I understand that, but you, we also have to understand that a majority of the reason why those Americans were there. They were there on false premises. They were there because they think there was a fraudulent election. They were there because they think uh, Mike Pence is doing the wrong thing. They're there because they think that Joe Biden stole an election from, from Donald Trump when we know that is not true. So that is, that is my issue with this whole thing, is the reasoning why they're there in the first place. Amisha, what does it tell our nation that the president of the United States, Donald Trump, made the decision on Friday that he would not attend the inauguration of the president and vice president-elect. It tells the nation that Donald Trump is petty. But beyond being petty, after all of these events of the past few days, after the events of the past few months, this president has consistently denied that he lost the, the election. This president has gone on Twitter and basically instigated the level of violence that we saw just two days ago. And I think that for President Trump to just, just release a, a statement um, a few hours ago, basically um, condemning to a certain extent, very lightly, but a condemnation of what was said, of what was said. This came on the heels of him a few hours before that, actually acting as though these people were patriots and they were his friends and they were out there, um, you know, rioting for something good. We've seen that he now is deciding that he is not going to attend the inauguration, which honestly makes sense in the Trump universe because he doesn't think he lost. So why would he stand there in this ceremonial fashion when he doesn't agree with the results? For Donald Trump, I think that this just is one more nail in the coffin of a legacy that was already gone to shambles. It shows that he it was never fit for the office to begin with. He has no respect for norms. He has no respect for our democracy. And he will go down in history for just who he is. Do you feel that the Bidens in the country are probably relieved that he's not attending the inauguration? Absolutely. I, I think that there is a sigh of relief from a lot of people that he's not attending the inauguration. But there's also a question of where will he actually be? Because before we went to break, what I was going to say was that in addition to the attacks we saw on the Capitol, on the dark web, these people have also been organizing attacks on several of the several of the battleground states that Trump lost. So we're talking about Michigan. We're talking about uh, states like Georgia that he just lost and several others, uh, Wisconsin, where he is looking to actually, these, these individuals are looking to actually storm capitals. So we know that many of those states have already inquired and pushed to have National Guard presence. This is not the end of the chaos and mayhem, mayhem that we've seen. And I think that it would be very smart to behoove us to continue to watch it, to continue to watch and continue to be vigilant because Trump's actions have dangerous consequences. But don't you think, and I know um, Jose and um, Jason are going to be perplexed by what the statement I'm about to make, but don't you think the inauguration would be safer for everyone if Trump attended? I Amisha? agree with that. Go ahead, Jose. Go ahead. Yeah, think about it. Well, well, well let me let me say this. Um, um, no, no, let me have Amisha's leaving us. Amisha, you're shaking your head. No, no, I want to hear from you. Think about it. Wouldn't it be a place, safer place for all Americans if he's in attendance? No, 
<laughs> his, he, he, his, the video he released didn't didn't do anything to his people. These are folks who are still going around saying that Antifa um, was actually the reason that these protests happened. You're not, so you're not getting it, Amisha. You're, Amisha, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. No, you're not. Again, President Trump has showed us who he is. I don't think no, even without the, without the Capitol attacks, this president was never planning on attending this inauguration. And I think that that, again, is just who President Trump is. We all need to stop trying Amisha. to wait to morph into somebody else because he's just not going to. He's never been presidential. He's not going to be presidential. This is the president that we got. And sadly, this is the America that we're moving forward That's with. And hope and change in the administration, we will see things that are different. But Trump is going to be Trump. Sadly, that's not the point. In 45 seconds, Jose, can you tell her what the point is? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what really quickly. I got a better, uh, I got a better place where, where Trump will be safer, in jail. That's where we need him. <laughs> How's that for a statement, Armstrong? Look, let me, let me say this. Um, President Trump is doing his thing. He's doing, he's being Trump. The reason he's doing this is because he wants to gain political capital for himself, for his movement. He knows he lost the election. His inner circle knows that he lost the election, but he cannot admit that because in, he cannot phantom with himself at night before he goes to bed that he's a one-term president because according to him, he's used to winning, always winning, always winning, and he lost. He will go down as the worst president this country has ever known. I'm not surprised he's not going to go to the inauguration. Um, what I what I can tell you is, after this, he's not going to have it easy because investigations in New York, as you know, Armstrong will continue. You know, Jose, um, President-elect Biden is aiming to release all the vaccine doses in a break from policy to hold back stock uh, for the second shot. Is this the good? Is this the right move to make? Look, I, what I can tell you is that we, the American people want the vaccine. Obviously, we haven't done it as fast as uh, President uh, Trump told us that we would do it. I think he told us by the end of December we were going to have at least 100 million Americans or something close to that, uh, and we're not even close. So what we got to do is make sure that we do it in a safe, you know, safety matter, but that we get the Americans, the, you know, the protection that they need. So uh, Biden's got to do what he's got to do, but we got to make sure that we get this vaccine to the American people. Uh, I think we're, I think Mike Howell, I think I'm correct, who's the senior advisor for the executive branch relations, and Jennifer Jason, and Jennifer Brock, Rossaross, who's a political columnist. Hello, Jennifer. Hi. Hi, thank you um, so much for joining us. Um, she's with the United States Commission on Civil Rights. You know, Vice not President Biden. Not I haven't been on the commission for years. It's okay. It's okay. You are just glad to have it. We don't care about titles here. Just thank okay. you for joining. All right. So I'm with the Independent Women's Forum. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're with us today. That's what I care about. But listen, the president-elect said something I thought was. Um, I just didn't know how to take it. He said that if it were Black Lives Matter. With some other group that happened to be black, uh, committing the violence and scaling the Capitol and barging in and seizing the U.S. Capitol, blood would have been all over the place. Is what he's implied. The outcome would have been totally different. Do we? You? you and, and listen, there are members of Congress and others from the community who are saying the very same thing. So much so that they are saying law enforcement had a double standard. First of all. Do you believe that to be true? 
And was it the right time for the vice president, the president-elect to say this? She just... Sorry. Um, Go ahead, Jennifer. I'm having trouble hearing you, sorry. So, so let me let me let me have um, let me have Michael Howell while we get Jennifer's audio. It happens here. It's been this all week. Not only is it chaotic in the world, sometimes it's chaotic in broadcast, but we can handle it. Mike Howell, how do you respond to that question? Jason, how do you respond? So I think um, when I heard those criticisms, and I saw them frequently from you know liberal friends of mine on Twitter, it, it came across very oddly as if they were rooting for, for more police brutality in this case, which um, should not be the goal, right? The goal should be that there should be no unjustified police brutality against anyone. Um, uh, you know, I, so instead of the remarks that I saw frequently, I was would have liked to have seen, oh, it's, it's I guess, nice that there's not police brutality here and that, um, you know, that there should be, this should be how, you know, Black Lives Matters protests happens as well. Um, but also, it's a little bit tone deaf because we did see that five people have died in this violence, um, and so that there there was uh, deaths, and that that this wasn't just um, uh, uh, you know like like a, some other protest. So uh, you know this was unique and bad, and and the Black Lives Matter riots were also unique and bad. Um, uh, Jose, I'm just waiting on my super super team um, to let me know whether we can hear Jennifer or not. Um, so Jose, let me let me let me let me um how do we what is it that Biden needs to do immediately when he and his vice president are sworn in? Because you talked about you talked about in his speeches that he has the capacity to cross the aisles and bring people together. What is it that he must do this, not through rhetoric, but through his action? You know, for, first and foremost, uh Armstrong, I think. Uh, he needs to go to go across the country, maybe do some sort of unity tour and 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 talk to the American people. Go to the states where people are frustrated that they you were we were speaking to earlier. They feel uh, invisible. They feel that they're not being paid uh, paid attention to. So he needs to address these people directly. Uh, that's first and foremost. Um, and secondly, look at the end of the day, what Americans want is to get back to work. They want a sound economy. They, they want a strong economy. They want to take this pandemic under control. And that's what he got. So he got in parallel. He's got to do that. And then actions in terms of um, how does he unite the country? He's got to talk to the American people directly, and not just from the Oval Office. Maybe do a, do some sort of speaking tour, some sort of tour where he goes to the states and talks to people directly one on one. Jennifer, um, so glad you're hearing us now. You know, is it a fair description of the Trump voters that they're scared and confused? No, I don't think they're scared and confused. I think they're angry. And why are they angry? Well, uh, partially they're angry because they have been for so long looked down upon by the liberal democratic establishment. That's the main reason they're angry. But at this point, I have to blame the president a little bit. They're angry because he's sold them a bill of goods and he has suggested to them that somehow, you know, the United States Congress could overturn this election or that he won in a landslide, which he didn't. Um, so, they're angry at the left. They're angry at our institutions that don't respect them. 
um, and they've been whipped up into a frenzy by this president. So you absolutely blame him for what happened on January 6th, at least for some of it. I don't blame him entirely, but but he should own it. He should absolutely own it. Um, you know, the buck stops with the president. And frankly, you know, I'm a conservative. I'm a libertarian. I didn't vote for Joe Biden. Um, but Donald Trump did not win this election. And he's been suggesting otherwise to the American people. And more importantly, he's been suggesting that somehow the federal government has a role to play here other than counting. It doesn't. You know, the president obviously is in a very, very dark place, angry and isolated. In fact, Ivanka Trump had to go and talk to him to convince him to at least ask the protesters to come, to ask for peace. Um, and, you know, whatever coattails the president may have had before the day that would go down in infamy and for January 6th, no one will touch him going forward. I know no, not many people will want to admit that. No Republican, no corporation, nobody will touch the president for right now. If he ever had a chance of any kind of a legacy, it went up in the smoke once they placed a siege on the United States Capitol on January 6th. Hans Poskowski is the manager of electoral law reform initiative and Siegel Legal Fellow at the um, Heritage Foundation. Hans, thank you for joining us. What will it take sure. for President Biden to turn around this economy, to restore the jobs, to restore that economic engine, to balance between people and this surge in COVID-19, but not paralyzing businesses going forward? Well, look, the, the the biggest thing that would have to happen is uh, that vaccine has to be distributed as far as possible, as quickly as possible, and to as many people as possible, so that all the restrictions that are preventing, particularly small businesses, from opening up and operating uh, can, can be ended, because that's who's being hurt the most by these shutdowns, is the small businesses, which, as you know, are the bulk are the bulk of the people who uh, employ a vast majority of Americans. What are the challenges the president is going to face in this economy and also with strategic partners that, that he may need, like the Europeans, the Chinese, and others? What, what are some of the obstacles that he, and the challenges that he's going to face? Well, look, one of the biggest challenges he's got is that uh, uh, many of those other countries are much more severely hit than the United States. Uh, I actually have relatives uh, in Europe, uh, including Denmark, who told me that uh, the, their country, for example, has been completely and totally shut down, unlike here, where we still, in many instances, have some small businesses uh, with limited openings, restaurants to some extent open. Uh, and that's important because, of course, one of the biggest factors in our economy, of course, is foreign trade. And I think that this kind of problem uh, in these other countries is hurting U.S. trade uh, with those nations. Hans, thank you. It's always a pleasure having you on. We look forward to having you back. We're going to turn our attention to COVID-19, and it seems, it seems that it's spreading like wildfire. And our uh, Armstrong Williams show 
physician, Dr. Brian Donahue, who's a cardiologist in Pittsburgh. Dr. Donahue, welcome back to the show. In a few minutes that we have left on this Saturday, January 9th show, tell us why the, it is spreading so like a wildfire now. What has changed? So good afternoon, uh, Armstrong. It's always a pleasure. It, it is spreading like wildfire. It's like a fire across dry tinder now. And so the pace of spread is actually worse than it's been at any time since this pandemic began. So you have to think to yourself that the reasons for that have more to do with the hosts, that's us, people, than it does the virus. So as has been pointed out on this show and others previously, it is the case that we continue to gather we continue to have family events. Probably 70% of the viral spread has to do with those choices that we make in our home and with our immediate, immediate friends and family. And I feel as if now we really need to be more vigilant than we've been at any point. Personally, taking care of patients, I've never had since this thing began the kind of burden of COVID-related illness and death uh, in this entire crisis than we have now. The vaccine has created a sense that there really is uh, an end of this long night. But even with that, and again, I hardly recommend that that vaccine be, be, be distributed with the dispatch that's possible. But even with the vaccine, most of us will remain not vaccinated. We remain at terrible risk for this virus. So let's not let our guard down before the sun rises in the east. You know, I'm funny, you know, Dr. Donahue, I was in um, Miami recently and we were there at the hospital uh, and, and doing other programming. And when we returned to Washington, D.C., several people who are also in Miami. Now, of course, I practice my safeguards. But when I'm done with the business, I'm back at the hotel. I actually isolate. Um, but they go out and they party. And so when this crew returned to New York, um, they had these symptoms that they went to see the physician and the physician asked them, have you been traveling? And of course the answer was yes. And they asked where, and they said, Miami. And they said, it's a funny thing because 70% of the people who've been tested positive for COVID-19 have tested over the last 48 hours have come out of Miami. What is it about Miami? What is it about Florida? What is it about Corona? That is, of course, that's the question that we're all beset with Armstrong. And it is true that this disease behaves like thieves. It gathers in small groups. And so you see intense activity in certain areas and maybe less so in others. We, for example, here in Southwestern Pennsylvania, we really got by with a little lighter fare over the early months of this. And now the water is really coming over the transom for us, almost as if we're getting a kind of payback for the earlier days when we had less burden. You're quite right that right now along the eastern seaboard of Florida, uh, you know, from Jupiter Beach on down, it is, it, is, it is a foment of activity. But again, probably what happens is that Miami is a bit of a flow through teabag. There's lots of people coming and lots of people going. If you were, for example, doing your show in Wichita, Kansas, you'd see less of all that. So the borders are, are, are not, are, are, are permeable in Miami, if you will. All the influx, all the outflux. That's probably why New York was hit so hard, so fast in the early days of this, because of that movement of people through New York. So I, I feel like there's lots of local conditions that give this uh, a, you know, a, a little bit of a handle for us to understand these things. But for your viewers, which spread across the fruited plain, all of us are at risk. Variably, it's true, some more than others, 
But this is not something which is done. And we it seems so often we lose the race by slowing down at the end. Now is the time to put the pedal down to the metal and be relentless and vigilant until this is behind us. Dr. Donahue, thank you so much for joining us. You know, I just want to say, I, I just cannot be thankful enough to our team at WGLA 24-7 and Howard Stirk Holins, how they put it on the line every day to bring these broadcasts. And let me tell you, it is not easy. They're impacted just like the larger society, but they make it happen. Even for us being on the front lines at the Capitol on the day of January 6th, being on the front line amidst it all, because we refuse that no matter what the situation is, there's a reason why people in media are considered essential employees to the economy and to the world. And we will not back down. We will go wherever the story goes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.